This is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN. Welcome into another edition of the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz here on MESN Radio and MESNRadio.com. As always, I'm your host, Chris Ficktail. Fitz out of the studio again this week, but we got a lot to get into in the world of sports, especially if you live in the New York area and you're a baseball fan because the New York Yankees have traded for Giancarlo Stanton. And once again, even after the man and that man being Derek Jeter, has retired. He's still helping out the Yankees from the afterlife, basically. It's incredible. You know, the Marlins openly stated that they were looking to shed salary, but no one expected that they were going to have another fire sale of their team. You know, they won the title in 1997, fire sale of the team. They won the title in 2003, fire sale of the team. This time, they didn't even win anything, but Giancarlo Stanton's contract was looking too big for the owner and uh you know the new ownership group comes in and they just cut the heck out of the salary and i heard more reports today that uh marcelo zuna has been traded as well to the cardinals so that's another guy who's out and uh this is just too much i mean they they're getting rid of all of their best players ozuna gone stanton gone there's going to be more on the way. D. Gordon, gone. And it, it's not just going to be those three guys. I mean, as one of the great old sayings is, you can you can lose with him and you can lose without him. So if your team is already in the dumpster of the NL East, it, it can't get much worse than it was uh, last year as far as, you know, you don't make the playoffs. At least you might as well get a good draft pick out of it. And if you look at it that way, then I think that the Marlins moves make a lot of sense. However... It's really hard to sell it to a franchise who's time and time again seen their favorite players and best players get just sold away for scraps, basically. You know, Miguel Cabrera, Josh Beckett, guys like that have just been traded away from this franchise. And uh, the fans, they just don't like it. And how can you blame them? These fans, they're dedicated. I mean, they don't exactly have 50,000 showing up to the park every night, but there are still people who are dedicated Marlins fans who, you know, support them and don't support any other teams. You don't have to be rich and have season tickets just to be a fan of the team. So this this really stinks for the common people, the, the big fans of the Marlins, who now have to say that all of their, probably their three favorite players from last year's team are no longer on the roster. And... You know, since the team hadn't been sold last year yet, it's not like at the end of or at the beginning of last year you would have known that you were going into the last season of ever seeing Giancarlo Stanton. He just signed a 10-year deal. You're expecting this guy to be there for 10 years. You think you got it in the bank. I'm sure the jersey sales went through the roof. This guy's selling out jerseys because why not? If he's going to be there for 10 years, that's the best kind of jersey to get. People are always worried about buying a jersey and then the guy getting sold away. How much safer could you feel than a 10-year uh, contract? The guy shouldn't be going anywhere. So, you know, the fans, they feel like they were misled. It's definitely a shame for the Marlins. But let's get back over to the other side here and talk a little bit about how it feels for the Yankees. Because if you look at it in a how-does-it-feel-for-the-Yankees kind of way, it feels pretty damn good. <laughs> I got to say, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, this guy, you know, we never expected to get a guy of his caliber whatsoever. He's in his prime right now. You know, how 
How can you do better than getting the reigning MVP in his prime and the only thing that you give up is two... So we'll, we'll go over the trade. The only thing the Yankees gave up is two lower-level prospects from the minors and Starlin Castro. The Starlin, the fact that they moved Starlin Castro means that they can more easily integrate Glaber Torres and Ronald Torres into the lineup next year. So it's almost like they were thinking about moving Castro anyway. So they moved Castro's contract and Castro. They get rid of two guys who were never going to play for the Yankees at the major league level anyway, and they get. Giancarlo Stanton with $30 million worth of contract relief that the Marlins chipped in because they wanted this guy gone so bad because his contract is such an albatross. But if you think about it, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, guys like that, they're about to command $400 million out on the open market. You just got Giancarlo Stanton for $265 million and for nine years. I think that might be better. You know, he uh, he's the reigning MVP. He's going to mash home runs with Judge like a madman. He's an above-average fielder, cannon of an arm. He's in impeccable shape, and all of his injuries really seem to be more freak accidents. You know, like you get hit on the hand, you break your hand. That's not because you aren't conditioned well. That's just something freakish that happens. You know, you can't expect that to always be the case. So, you know, it's really a shame that uh, Stanton got hurt last year. Uh, two years ago, rather, and he didn't get to finish out with back-to-back MVPs because it was looking like he might have won the MVP the year before as well, but that might have just driven up the price tag even more. So as a Yankee fan, got to say, couldn't have done it any better myself. Mr. Cashman, you've outdone yourself again. Fantastic move. Incredible stuff from the Yankees. So mucho proud of my guys. It's going to be a fantastic season coming up. Aaron Judge. Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Hicks, what a trio in the outfield. And people were saying this is such a giant contract, even with the relief. They paid Matt Holliday $17 million last year. $17 million for a one-year deal for a guy who was hurt for more than half the year and hit like 250. Even though he was a great guy in the locker room, that's $17 million. Giancarlo Stanton this year, they're going to pay him $18 million. So you're saying a $1 million upgrade from Matt Holliday is breaking the bank for this guy? I think the Yankees made a very shrewd business decision. Definitely agree with the tactics. Gotta love it. Now, after that deal was done, there was another deal that the Yankees did that cleared up some space and cleared up people's minds a little bit about the direction of what the Yankees are doing in free agency right now. They traded Chase Headley, so they moved him for a guy who's never going to even get a number assigned for the Yankees. They're basically just a salary dump. You give them a, a guy who hits and is worth $13 million per year. You get back a guy who hits 200 average career in the major leagues. He's 28 years old, and you know you call that a salary dump. He's clearly not good enough to play for the Yankees. He's an outfielder. I just named the trio of outfielders that they had that's going to start, and then they have Brett Gardner. And they have Jacoby Ellsbury. So where's he going to fit in? Obviously nowhere. So that guy is out the door. That being said, though, I think it's a fantastic move by the Yankees. Any way you could move Headley's contract, more likely to bring Frazier back. He seemed to be a better fit with the Yankees in the locker room and on the field. Yes, Headley came on strong last year. And yes, he was good at switching over to first base and being a real team guy. But Frazier just is like the man in the locker room. Everyone just responds to him so well, so positively. 
He's got a great energy, a love for the game of baseball. He's a Jersey guy, lifelong Yankee fan. I mean, there's so many things about this guy that just fit perfectly for the organization. And they need some veterans, you know. We're talking about some of these guys. I know Stanton is technically a veteran. He's 28 years old. The guy's never gone to the playoffs, really. So he certainly hasn't done anything in a meaningful game late in the season. So, you know, you need the guys like CeCe Sabathia, who they're hoping to bring back as well, and guys like that on the roster who are going to help teach the rest of the guys in the organization. It can't be all young studs. you got to have some old guys on the roster as well help teach the culture of the organization and the Yankee way. You know, Joe Girardi, he was a big uh, provider of the Yankee way foundation as he was an ex-Yankee himself. But now that he's gone after 10 years as a manager and around 10 years as a player, you know, it's Aaron Boone's job to help that chemistry in the locker room. And I think he's going to be just fine at it. He had one of the biggest hits in the history of the Yankees. Remember that walk-off home run in Game 7 of the World Series? Uh, World Series, well, Game 7 of the ALCS, that was Aaron Boone, that's right, over the Red Sox in 03, that's when the Yankees lost to the Marlins in the World Series, but they did get past the Red Sox and the curse continued on for one more year before the Red Sox won the title in 2004. You know, I could talk about these Yankees all day, you know, they say baseball's gone until uh, spring training starts up. But when the winter meetings creep in, man, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. The Orioles shopping Manny Machado right now because they know he's not going to sign a $400 million deal with them because they're not going to offer him a $400 million deal. So expect Machado to go. Maybe not right now. Maybe we'll see him go at the uh, deadline. Maybe we'll see him go in the preseason. I'm not expecting him to leave during the winter meetings. Also, J.D. Martinez looking like he might sign with the Boston Red Sox. He is a big hitter, incredible player, so don't know what's going on there. We'll find out, though. Uh, He will meet with multiple teams during the winter meetings. That was uh, confirmed today by ESPN, so expect teams to be on the lookout for Martinez and maybe a deal to be struck within the week. He's definitely looking to go to a contender. The Giants are looking at him. The Cardinals looking for him as well but the Red Sox you know they gotta go up against this evil empire they're probably going to go all out in buy mode as well again you know they got Chris Sale they got David Price they got their pitching pretty much set up but the Red Sox they were in the the cellar of the home run hitters in the AL last year they gotta hit some home runs they gotta get more RBIs the Red Sox need to play more like the team when Big Poppy was on it So definitely a lot going on in the world of baseball. Quiet with the Mets. You know, people very upset that the Mets didn't go after Giancarlo Stanton. They'd be able to offer him, you play right field right away. You're going to be in our lineup every single night. Now the Yankees, he's going to have to split time with Judge. You know, one will play left field, one will play right. I'm sure they'll have it figured out by the time that the season starts. Who's going to play where? He's going to do some DHing as well in order to let the other outfielders like Gardner and Ellsbury get some playing time. They're certainly going to need it as well if they want to stay in form. So a lot definitely has to happen, but really a shame. The Mets didn't even dip their toes into the shallow end of the Giancarlo waters. They did not even try. No offers, no approaches made. So some fans are definitely upset about that. 
I just think they're being realistic. Is he really going to want to spend 10 years there when they might not be any better than the Marlins team that he just left? I think Giancarlo Stanton made the best possible decision for him. Even if he goes to the Red Sox, the Red Sox have never been consistently one of the elite teams in baseball. They were fantastic for about a 10-year span, but they won three World Series. They were all spread out, never back-to-back. Seemed like they underachieved in a bunch of years. If he, you know, and then obviously having to go up against the Yankees and playing in the American League East, one of the hardest divisions in all of baseball, uh, I mean, I think he made the right decision. I think the Yankees are the, the team to be right now. They got a lot of young guys coming up. It's looking really good for the future and I think he wanted to hop on the train while he had the opportunity. And, you know, it's not like a bandwagon fan or anything. He's on this team, so he's not, he's not bandwagoning anything. He is right with them riding on that train, and I think he is going to bring them to lots of glory. But, guys, we're going to head to the break right now. we got a lot of stuff still to talk about on the show. we got NBA coming up, NFL review, Premier League review. We had a match day over the weekend and Tuesday and today as well the Manchester Derby we'll get into that Man City big winners this week but guys we got to head to the break first we'll be right back don't go anywhere this is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN Radio I got a fever and the only prescription is more Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN you're listening to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN. Welcome back to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz here on MESN Radio and MESNRadio.com. You can always check us out at Facebook.com slash SportsFixMESN. Give us a like on there. Then check us out on Twitter at SportsFixMESN. Slide into those DMs. And you know you can check out our full-length episodes on SoundCloud.com slash SportsFixMESN as well as searching for us on iTunes. That's right, the, spurt, the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on iTunes. Search for it in the Purple Podcast app. And you know you can always call us up at 609-910-0687 that's 609-910-0687 we got a lot of good nba action on tonight thunder and pacers going to it deep into the fourth quarter we got a one possession game on espn and then we have some good action coming up right after it's a doubleheader. but we're going to talk nba a little bit later let's talk nfl that's right it was week 14 last week of 17 Only a couple games left. If you're a fantasy football guy, it's the playoffs already. It was either the playoffs started right now for you or they start coming up starting tomorrow. It's a game Thursday. This is looking like a great week of football. Aaron Rodgers is ruled healthy and medically cleared to play, so he should be back suited up for Green Bay this week. We got a lot of good action coming up. But let's review the action from last week. It was just week 14 in the NFL, like I said. And the Saints and the Falcons kicked it off on Thursday. One of the best games of the week. And they really started it off with a bang for us. You know, it, uh, you always wonder how things are going to be on a Thursday, the short week, the turnaround, if teams are going to be healthy, if teams are going to make uh, mental mistakes, what the deal is going to be. But the Falcons laid down the law, and they are not ready for the Saints to seize control of that division yet it would have been the 10 and 3 Saints and the 7 and 6 Falcons if they had won which would have virtually given them 
the division. But with the Falcons winning, it's now a one-game lead in the division. I believe the Panthers are at 8-5 and five as well. So it makes it a three-horse race in that NFC South. And it's really rough. You know, I don't know who's going to come in on top. The Saints started off so hot, nine wins in a row. Dropped off again with two losses in a row, so we'll see. But uh, 10 points in the fourth quarter for Atlanta, none for New Orleans. That was the story of the game. Falcons coming on strong. Drew Brees with a silly interception, truly un-Drew Brees-like at the end of the game. And that's the story there. And then the Packers took on the Browns on Sunday. This one went to overtime. And it wasn't the Browns playing uh, you know, and catching up. It was the other way around. The Browns had a huge lead on the pack. I think it might have been 21-3 to Browns, right? Packers come all the way back, obviously. Hundley in at quarterback. This was the last game without Aaron Rodgers. And he has a big run. He throws a, a deep pass to Devontae Adams. And all of a sudden, these guys are back into the game. And it goes to overtime, and they win as well. Big play, big win for the Packers. They now have a chance still to get into the playoffs in the NFC. And once Aaron Rodgers gets a team into the playoffs and he's even coming back healthy, you better watch out for those Packers, man. Never underestimate Aaron Rodgers. We also had the Lions and Buccaneers meet up on Sunday. That was a doozy as well. Came down to a three-point game in the end. Buccaneers coming back on him. This one ended up 24-21, 14 points in the fourth quarter for the Buccaneers, but it wasn't enough at all. Jameis Winston back in the lineup for the Buccaneers. Still couldn't get the job done. It was all Lions as far as getting the W. They stay in the picture as well. They're trying to get into the playoffs ahead of Green Bay. That's a rough division right now. The Bears are even messing some things up in the NFC, even though their record stinks. They're playing well against good teams, so let's see what goes on with them over these last three weeks. Then we had the Chiefs and the Raiders. It was a really great game to see the Chiefs, you know, respond after their spanking that they took from the Jets. It's really embarrassing if you lose to the Jets and the Giants in the same season when they're both having not-so-good years. You know that ain't too good. So the Raiders had to show up, and the Chiefs, uh, you know, Maybe not expecting to get this victory, but also knowing that it was an important victory, almost a do or die. Marshawn Lynch, big TD run, basically carrying guys into the end zone. He's so strong. But it wasn't enough. The Chiefs, man, they looked incredible. They gave up uh, 15 points in the fourth quarter to Oakland. It was 26 nothing. Chiefs at one point. So they really ran away with this one, and they were so far ahead that even though they gave up, they were still getting the job done. So really impressive for them. As well, Chiefs get staying in playoff contention as well. This week, it's all about you know how our team setting themselves up for the playoffs. We're close enough now where it's all about looking forward. We're not looking in the past. We're not looking at what happened in week three. We're looking at records and playoff positioning. So really important weeks here in the NFL. And the Panthers going up against the 10-2 and Vikings and taking them out. Panthers 9-4. and they're actually tied with the Saints. I was wrong. Not tied with the Falcons. Tied with the Saints for first place in that NFC South. And Carolina, big game, points in every quarter. They spread it out across the board. And they were one of the first teams to hold Case Keenum to not having the best game. So really impressive stuff. 
Keenum throwing two picks. He's been pretty lights out uh, since he took over as quarterback, so impressive from the Panthers. Moving on, though, we had the 49ers and the Texans. Definitely a stinker of a game, at least compared to the other games you know that we had on the docket. And uh, the 49ers get the job done. Jimmy G undefeated in his career in every single NFL start he's ever had. Now, yes, that's only four games. I was letting that marinate a little bit. It's only four games, but it's still impressive that every time this guy gets the ball, something good happens for his team. Remember, for Tom Brady's suspension last year, he started off as the quarterback in New England. Then he got injured. Jacoby Brissett took over as the third-string quarterback in waiting for Brady to get there after four weeks. So they each split it two weeks. Uh, Brissett won one, lost one. Garoppolo was 2-0, and so that's how we got to 4-0. I expect much better things out of him in the future as well. He's a hell of a quarterback. And if the 49ers can turn it around, I think he's going to be a really big part of that reason. And then another stinker of a game, actually two more stinkers in a row. We had the Bills taking on the Colts, and they really got the, you know, they got the short end of the stick having to play in this blizzard. You know, maybe the fans like it, but having to be on the field and covered in the snow, that can't be fun. And that same guy, Jacoby Brissett, I was talking about, as the third stringer for the Patriots last year, he started for the Colts, and he really didn't even move the ball at all until that final drive in the fourth quarter. I think it was over 10 minutes long, and you know they just went all out, you know, knowing that they needed a touchdown to tie. It was seven nothing basically the whole game for the Bills. Colts drive 10 minutes down the field, get a touchdown, tied up. Had to make things difficult, of course. And, uh, you know, it was really a shame because (laughs) that game, I was just waiting for it to come off of the red zone so we could get some real action out there on the TV screen. But this one ended up being really interesting. Went into overtime after that 10-minute drive. And then LaShawn McCoy with a 40-yard or around thereabouts touchdown run to win the game. He was incredible. Frank Gore had 130 yards and 36 carries. That was the most carries he ever had in a game. I think he's uh, fourth or fifth on the all-time rushing list. So this is a guy who's been around the block. I can't remember a time when Frank Gore wasn't in the NFL, basically. That's how long this guy's been in. Obviously, I'm joking. I definitely remember his days at Miami. But still, it has been so long. Such a storied career for Frank Gore. But LaShawn McCoy... And his boys coming out on top, even without Tyrod Taylor. Peterman started. He even had to come out of the game. They had to bring in the third stringer themselves, and they still got the job done in overtime. And the Bills win 13-7 to to stay in the hunt themselves. And then the Bears and the Bengals, two teams that have no chance at making the playoffs, no matter what scenarios work out for either one of them. This one ended in a huge upset, I would have to say. Both teams stink. But the Bears are lower down on the food chain, and they won 33 to seven, and it really wasn't even that close. From the first after the first quarter, it was all Chicago since he scored early, and uh, Mitch Trubisky, rookie quarterback, 271 yards, completed almost 80 percent of his passes. Really incredible stuff, and threw for a touchdown. Jordan Howard. 147 yards and two touchdowns. Can't do much better than that. Even Tariq Cohen, six 
8.7 yards per carry. Almost hit, got to the century mark himself. Great win for the Bears. This rebuilding team needs some of these wins so they can prove to themselves that they still got it a little bit. And this game I'm about to bring up, this is going to hurt a little bit. It's going to sting down in the heart, down in the soul. The Giants played the Cowboys great. It was 10-10 at the half and 10-10 after three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, the Cowboys absolutely had the Giants number. Dak Prescott ended 66% completions, 333 yards, three touchdowns. What a game by Dak Prescott. I got to say, he really came out of his shell. He's been down a little bit this year when Zeke has been out, but he did not disappoint in this one. Well, he disappointed me because I'm a Giants fan, but he didn't disappoint his teammates. He played one heck of a game. 20 points in the fourth quarter, though, unacceptable from the Giants. I know it's a lost season, and I know people, including myself, are kind of happy that they lost because they are still in line for a lower draft pick, one of the top three draft picks in the upcoming draft. But when you're that close in the game against your rivals, you say, forget it about the draft, and you just want to win that game in the moment. So at that moment in time, I was rooting for the team. You know, forget the draft pick. Let's beat these Cowboys up right now. We're at the Meadowlands. We could do this. And then it hit the fan, 24th quarter points, and the Cowboys... I mean, they're not making the playoffs, but they stayed mathematically available to make the playoffs still. They have not yet been eliminated. A couple games left from Sunday still, and then we still got to talk about that huge Monday night game. I was actually working on the radio at SiriusXM for that Patriots-Dolphins game. We got a couple games to get into first. I'm not even going to get into this one. Cardinals-Titans, what a snooze fest. 12-7 final you know, Mariota not playing like himself, David Johnson out for the year. This one was not fun to be involved with as a fan, as a neutral, as whatever you want to call it. You were not interested in this game. But the Jets-Broncos game, especially as a non-Jets lover, this was a great game for me. You know, unfortunately, Josh McCown out for the season with a broken hand. It's not so, It is his left hand, so it's not his throwing hand, but it's a bad enough of a break where he can't, you know, even receive the ball from the center. He can't even put his hand on the center and receive it. There's just too much pain. It's too complex of a break. And he was crying at the podium as if it might be his last game of his career. If it is, this guy was a journeyman, and he made the Jets into something that no one expected them to be this year. Everyone was banking on, you know, maybe 1-15. in 15. I might have even, you know, shouted that number out on the show one day. Mikey Fitz and I each had them with three losses or or three wins rather or less. Nothing expected out of them. And he brought the best out of that team and added a veteran presence in the locker room. Hope to see him back. He definitely wants to be a coach, he said, at the end of his career. So best of luck to McCown in the recovery, and hopefully he can come back for one more year. Maybe even come back to the Jets, help them overachieve some more so they can't get that quarterback of the future. See, always got to have that angle. But uh, the Broncos really laid it on the Jets in this one. After he got hurt, they didn't have a chance. Bryce Petty can't move the ball. He and Hackenberg were complete wastes of draft picks. It's a shame that the, you know they could have been something maybe in another organization that gave them a chance. But if the first time you're getting meaningful is in Week 14 and you're the youngest guy by far on the roster, then you clearly they just don't trust you whatsoever 23 points from the broncos zero points from the jets and that is a total embarrassment if i've ever seen one 
And we had the Chargers hosting the Redskins as well. And this one was close early, and then it got out of hand. You Phillip Rivers lovers out there are going to be happy with this one. Kirk Cousins lovers like you, Matthew Barry, not going to love this at all. 30-13, you know, 17-point victory, very comprehensive victory. They had 23 points already at halftime, and it really wasn't a game after that. And, you know, numbers across the board for the Redskins are abysmal. No receivers had more than 34 yards. Nobody ran more than uh, 45. And he had 2.6 yards per carry. P. Ryan, that is unacceptable. And Cousins, 150 yards with a pick and an interception. Just not going to get the job done. Redskins mathematically eliminated from the playoffs with the loss. They slump to 5-8. and eight. Chargers, though... Started off 0-4. They are now 7-6. and That's right. That's 7-2 and after the first four weeks of the season. Very impressive turnaround for Phillip Rivers and co. Keep your eyes on them because that's a team that could go far with the veteran leadership that they have. Young stud running back that still hasn't lost his legs yet in Melvin Gordon. You know, he's still got plenty of miles left in those tires, and I think they got a really good shot at making some noise in the AFC. We got the Jaguars taking on the Seahawks. This one really got ugly towards the end. Uh, the Jaguars were kneeling the ball, and the Seahawks, as usual, I can't use the word I'd like to use for them, but they aren't nice. And uh, they started fights after every snap, basically, by the Jaguars. Real shame to see that in the NFL. But then also a real shame, I will defend one of the Seahawks here, and I can't remember the guy's name. He got sent off uh, for for one of those fights, and then he's walking. He They finally get him to walk out the field, and he's running into the locker room, and fans started throwing stuff at him. And I've never had anything thrown at me before, but I'll tell you something right now. If somebody threw something at me, you wouldn't have been able to peel me back onto that field. I would have made my way into the crowd, and I would have been the next Ron Artest. The fact that they were able to calm him down and keep him out of the stands is truly incredible. It's a disgrace that fans think that they have the right to throw things like that at players. You paid to come see these guys play. They threw their heart and soul out on the field, and then you're going to throw drinks at them trying to hit them in the head as they run by. Complete disgrace. So as much as I dislike the Seahawks, and I think they were being a bunch of uh, classless clowns at the end of the game, I think it was even more classless by the fans in Jacksonville for what they did. So apologies out to him. I'm glad he didn't get into the stands. I don't think he's going to get suspended. And uh, I'm sure he got like a small fine uh, for getting for um, getting kicked out of the game. But as far as the incident of them throwing it at him, you can't penalize a guy for that, man. I, I'm just, uh, I, I feel so terrible for him there. But uh, the Jaguars come out with the victory. They scored 21 points in the third quarter. They really turned it around in the second half. They were up 3 nothing at the break. It was a really boring first half, and then all the action came afterwards. A lot of touchdown passes. Russell Wilson, three for him, ton for Bortles, but three picks for Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks dropped to 8-5. and five. Jaguars up to 9-4. and four. It's looking like this is the year Jacksonville gets back to the playoffs. I mean, their ceiling is 12-4, and four, floor is 9-7. and seven. They could get into the playoffs with either of those records. Let's hope it's somewhere in the middle, and these guys can clinch a playoff berth for the first time in almost a decade. 
I mean, I think David Gerrard might have been their quarterback the last time they went to the playoffs. Going way back. Byron Leftwich, anybody? Throwback. But after the Jaguars-Seahawks game was a sad game as far as the circumstances that come after the fact. So the Eagles faced off against the Rams, and they won. You know, they had a huge lead. Um, I think it was 31-14 even at one point. But Carson Wentz got tackled as he dove into the end zone, and he got sandwiched by two guys. And the way that his leg bent, it was not good. Carson Wentz out for the rest of the season and the beginning of next season with a torn ACL in his knee. Really unfortunate. This guy could have been MVP of the NFL. He already broke the single-season record for most touchdown passes by an Eagles quarterback, and he only played 13 games, and he really only played 12 and a half games because he didn't even get through the whole game due to his injury. So really sad stuff. I If I had a vote and he played the whole season, I would have voted for him for MVP. It's incredible what he's done to that city. It's incredible how he has taken over Philadelphia and turned it into a winning culture all of a sudden. Obviously, Doug Peterson, a lot to do with that as well. But, you know, don't put it past the quarterback. This guy is a winner. He was a winner at North Dakota State. I know a lot of people don't remember him from there. But since I work with the FBS football uh, bowl subdivision with the 1AA, as it used to be called, I was very familiar with Carson Wentz. I knew this guy coming out. I knew the school he went to is an absolute class organization. Most t- uh, championships in the history of the FBS or Division One, AA North Dakota State, incredible program. And this guy was just fit to be a winner, and he starts out as a winner right off the bat. Good season last year, even better season this year. Such a shame he's going to be out. We can still talk about the Steelers and Ravens, though. This game came down to one point, almost 40 for each team. This was not a snooze fest. We were talking about the boring games earlier. This is the opposite right here. This was the game of the week, Sunday night football, and the Steelers beat the Ravens 39-38, to 19 points in the fourth quarter for the Steelers. Uh, Ryan Shazier injured in this game uh sorry injured in the last game and they wanted to uh you know play this and win this game for him so really special moment for the team they get to facetime him while he was in the hospital really special moment big win for the Steelers they go to 11 and 2 the Ravens are their uh next best team in the division and they're only 7 and 6 so it's looking like that division is all Steelers worst they can do is 11 and 5 Ravens have six losses. You do the math. Steelers looking great in the division, without a doubt. And then Monday night, another big game. Not the game of the week because it was pretty one-sided. The Dolphins really cruised to a victory, even more so than the score will indicate, over the Patriots. It was 27-20, but it was a 17-point game in the fourth quarter. It was 27-10. So, you know, you get some comeback touchdowns. They don't really mean as much. If you don't win... None of the points mean anything. So embarrassing stuff from the Patriots. Tom Brady is 6-8 all-time in Miami. Only place he has a losing record. Uh, He could have gotten to 7-7 and and then maybe, you know, made it a winning record next year. Now he's got to win the next two years just to get to 500 in Miami. Impressive stuff from them. 
And then tomorrow night we got the Broncos and the Colts. Not exactly the best Thursday night game. I'm glad I'll be at work, but I might end up having to work this game. So maybe I'll have to pay more attention to it than anyone, which would not be good. Guys, we're going to head to the break right now. We still got Premier League review to talk about. We're going to talk about the Knicks win last night and that Manchester derby. Man City versus Man United this weekend. There was a bust up in the tunnel after the game. And we got a record-breaking team in the Premier League, guys. We'll get to all that when we get back. This is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN Radio. Don't go anywhere. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN. You're listening to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN. Welcome back to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz here on MESN Radio and MESNRadio.com. Give us a like on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SportsFixMESN. Slide into those DMs on Twitter at SportsFixMESN. And you know you can check out our full-length episodes at SoundCloud.com slash SportsFixMESN. Don't forget you can also check us out on iTunes. That's right, search for the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz. And you know you can also call up the show always at 609-910-0687. That's 609-910-0687. We got some Premier League soccer to get into, and I love the winter period for soccer in England because, as many of you may not know, the leagues like uh, La Liga in Spain, Bundesliga in Germany, Ligue in France, and uh, Serie A in Italy, they all take these things called winter breaks where they give their players and everybody like basically 30 days off as far as competitions where you get to rest up and recharge for the rest of the season. You know, it's a long season. So it's very nice of them. However, the Premier League doesn't do this. They don't care about their players, apparently. And I say that jokingly, but... They don't have any time off, and instead of having time off, the fixtures are so condensed together. They have, I think, four games in two weeks. Every single team played, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And it's really incredible because as a fan and as a guy who always has off around the time the soccer games are on, whether it's a work day or not, you know, the fact that it's over in England helps me watch it with my schedule. So I love the winter period. I mean, we had games this weekend. We got games again uh, yesterday and today. And then we have even more games on Saturday and Sunday again. So the cycle continues. We started off with West Ham and Chelsea on Saturday morning. It was early. And I didn't wake up for this one. I was a little tired from the night before. And, you know, West Ham, you're expecting David Moyes' team to get beat up by Chelsea, right? Well, you'd be wrong because David Moyes and his boys handled the business, shut out Chelsea, and they got a 1-0 win. So incredible stuff. Moyes coming in. He actually uh, got a result today as well, but we'll talk about that after we finish up this week. And Swansea City, 1-0 win over West Brom. Definitely more boring games to start off with. You know, 1-0, not always fun. Boney with the goal, first goal back with the club, beating the Brahmies. Hoping, trying to keep themselves out of the relegation zone. Tottenham took on Stoke. Five goals to start off the game, and then they give up a Shaw cross goal in the 80th minute, only to make me lose in fantasy. They knew I needed a clean sheet from Hugo Lloris. They said, let's screw that guy from the sports fig with Fick and Fitz. Let's make sure we concede one goal to mess him up, and they did just that. 
Didn't help that my opponent had Shaw Cross as well, so the goal and the negative points for me did me in. Then Crystal Palace and Bournemouth played to a 2-2 draw. That wasn't the most interesting of games, but lots of goals, so hey, what are we going to complain about? It's better than a nil-nil, you know? At least they put the ball in the back of the net four times. Then we had Burnley take on Watford. Red card for Watford. Totally deserved Burnley coming out with the victory, and they, I believe, are sixth in the Premier League. Burnley, incredible season for them. Almost as many points as all of last year at uh, a way later date, or earlier date, rather. I mean, we're months, months before the end of the year, and they're already approaching last season's point total. That's a heck of a season. Then we have Huddersfield taking on Brighton, beating them up 2-0 for the Huddersfield and a uh, great game for them. You know, Mooney, both goals. He's really making a name for himself in the Premier League this year. And hats off to Wagner getting the job done for his boys. Newcastle losing a late game to Leicester. Oh, this must have been such a heartbreaker, guys. It was such a close game till the end, and an own goal did them in. That's the worst way to lose it. I mean, Mares started off the scoring for Leicester to equalize. Then Gale equalized at 2 for Newcastle that looked like it was going to get them the result and then in the 86th minute first on the TV cameras it looked like Okazaki got the goal it was the Nyozi Perez own goal though and that did in Newcastle Arsenal I mean they couldn't pile on to the hot streak they've been on lately they finished 1-1 against Southampton it's a shame they couldn't get all the points and then in one of the greatest games or fixtures in all of England, the Merseyside Derby, Liverpool hosting Everton at Anfield, one of the oldest, greatest rivalries in all of Europe and all of the football slash soccer world. It ended 1-1, a late BS penalty, I'll go as far as to say. Lovren just puts his hand on the back of Calvert-Lewin and he falls over like a sack of potatoes. And uh, Wayne Rooney puts the ball in the back of the net. It ends 1-1, to but then the match of the week, the Manchester Derby, 11.30 on alone without any other games going on at the same time. The rest of the teams already played, and every single team in the top five dropped points this week, so it was huge for City to get the win. Liverpool tied, Arsenal tied, Chelsea lost. You know, all these teams you're expecting to go for the title lost or drew and man united faced against them and the gap got even wider what a match from city david silva with the goal off the set piece in the 43rd minute just fell right to his feet in front of the goal then we give up a dumb dumb goal to marcus rashford uh right before the stroke of halftime and then otamendi with the winner another mistake from united uh, they they definitely screwed the pooch on this one, as they'll call it. And Lukaku kicked the ball right into Otamendi's back. Uh, sorry, into his teammate's back. And Otamendi did a nice volley. The ball was up by his head. He actually did, got a great kick on it. And City hold on for the 2-1 victory at Old Trafford. But the story doesn't stop there. Because after the game, City, obviously, they just won the uh, the derby against their rivals on the road, mind you, at Old Trafford, and they're celebrating in the locker room. And Pep said they were celebrating quieter 
Then they celebrated at Southampton the week before when they won in the 96th minute. Even quieter than that. But it's still, it was too loud for the babies of United. They were sad that they lost at home. And he came in and he basically told City to shut up and that they were being too loud and said that City are classless for celebrating like that in an away stadium. Mourinho is one of the biggest celebrators in the world. He has run around all over pitches all over the world and been a total D-bag. And all of a sudden, it's a big deal this time because it happens against his team. Sorry, Jose. No double standard for you. Totally okay. City outclassed you all over the pitch. 65% possession. Total domination of the midfield. Lukaku looked like a lost boy out there. He had two huge chances at the end. Couldn't get it past Ederson's neck blocking his shot. And it was a comprehensive win for City. 11 points clear at the top of the table. And that was the game of the weekend. So we still got a couple more games to get into. Because as I said, match day 17 was yesterday and today. So we still have some action for you. A couple minutes left on the show. Let's talk about the fixtures from Tuesday and Wednesday a little bit. And it started off with Burnley facing off against Stoke yesterday and total snooze fest for the first 89 minutes and then Barnes all of a sudden scores out of nowhere for Burnley and it turns into this absolute madhouse at Turf Moor. Their fans knowing that they get to stay in the top six again for another week in the Premier League. Then we had Crystal Palace taking on Watford and this one got really interesting late. It was an exciting early and then exciting late with not much in between. So third minute, Jan Mott scores for Watford. That would be their only goal of the game. They got it early. Then in the 87th minute, Tom Cleverly of Watford gets sent off for his second yellow card. So it wasn't a straight red, but two yellow cards. That'll get you out of the game too. And in the span of the five minutes after the red card, Crystal Palace scored two goals to take the lead and win the game at home. What a match. This one, truly incredible. You got to love when a team in the relegation zone shows their fight, show that they still care, that they still have the talent. They come out with the victory. Sacco in the 89th. James MacArthur in the 90th plus two. And, you you know, that's a script that you can't really write up. It's always incredible. You never expect it, but you, you also always expect it. You know, anytime that 90th minute comes... You expect it to go wrong for one team and very right for another. Then we had Chelsea going to Huddersfield where they had just won uh, 2-0 Huddersfield last week. But Chelsea came out on top 3-1 in this one. Pedro with the last goal. Great game for Chelsea. But Conte said after the game they have no chance at catching City. I think people are starting to realize it is actually impossible to catch a team if they don't lose. You could win every game for the rest of the year if you're Chelsea and still lose the title by 12 points possibly. So it's horrible, but at least he's being realistic about it and he can set his sights on the Champions League, the cup competitions. He doesn't have to go all in on the Premier League being unrealistic thinking, well, only if this happens and this happens. Well, you know what? It ain't going to happen because City's not going to all of a sudden start losing games. They might start drawing games, but they're certainly not going to start losing games all of a sudden. And we had Leicester City against Southampton. That game was today, first game of the docket on Wednesday. And we had lots of goals in this one. Started off in the 11th minute, Mahrez 
Okazaki getting a double in this one. Talked about the goal he almost had last week. Ended up being an own goal for the other team. Still a winner, but he got two goals of his own today. One in each half. And Yoshida scored one for Southampton. Wasn't enough. 4-1 to Leicester. Victors in this match. Then we had also Everton going to Newcastle. And John Joe Shelby, he gets sent off every once in a while. And you know what? He decided... Today was going to be a day where he got sent off. 94th minute, man. Just keep your nerves and blow up, you know, throw stuff in the locker room, break stuff in the tunnel, whatever. But don't get sent off in the 94th minute because now you're hurting your team for next week as well. But you know what? He didn't listen to me. I wasn't there to tell him. And Wayne Rooney's 27th minute goal holds up as the only goal of the match and the winner for Everton who, you know, are really making a nice run now that Big Sam is there. And they're going to stay in the top of the table for another week. Man City took on Swansea today. That was a huge game for City. It was 2-0 at the half, 4-0 at the end. Two goals from David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne pulling the strings as usual. And Sergio Aguero, who actually did not look good as far as turning the ball over throughout the game. He got on the score sheet anyway, so you'll forget about him turning over the ball when he puts the ball in the net in the 85th minute. City, 4-0 winners over Swansea next match up incredible game in this one as well uh West Ham and Arsenal it ended nil nil so many shots on goal so much action at the London Stadium not getting the job done though either team another nil nil Liverpool and West Brom that one much more boring than the Arsenal draw. Then we had Man United taking down Bournemouth. Lukaku goal in the first half ends up being enough. 25th minute, and they hold on for the shutout. And then last game of the week, Tottenham took down Brighton and Hove Albion. That was a 2-0 victory. Serge Aurier scores for the Spurge. And if you know Son, you know this guy scores basically every time he's on the field for Tottenham. Incredible win for them. 2-0. They get back on the right track. Well, that was one heck of a day, or a week rather, of Premier League action, I have to say. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for the show. I said we'd get to the Knicks. I'm just going to mention it real quick because we don't really have time to talk about it. Last night, it was 99-99 heading into overtime in their game, and they ended up winning over the Lakers in overtime. I think it was 111-109, big win for the Knicks. Chris Porzingis, 35 points. Incredible game for them. But, guys, this has been the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz here on MESN Radio. You know you can always like us on Facebook.com slash SportsFixMESN. Slide into those DMs at SportsFixMESN. And you can check out our full-length episodes at SoundCloud.com slash SportsFixMESN or by searching for us on iTunes. Check out that Purple Podcast app or go on your computer and search for the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz. Guys, as always, it's been real. I'll be back next Wednesday, as usual, with more sports to talk about. Maybe the Yankees will make another move, but I'm sure we're going to have plenty of topics to get to. As always, guys, I've been your host, Chris Fictel. This is the Sports Fix. Have a nice week. Adios. This is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN.